For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. All my ancient twisted karma, from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. All my ancient twisted karma, from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, Born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. All my ancient twisted karma, from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. The harmony of difference in sameness. The mind of the great sage of India is intimately transmitted from west to east. While human faculties are sharp or dull, the way has no northern or southern ancestors. The spiritual source shines clear in the light. The branching streams flow on in the dark. Grasping at things is surely delusional, according with sameness is still not enlightenment. All the objects of the senses interact and yet do not. Interacting brings involvement, otherwise each keeps its place. Sights vary in quality and form, sounds differ as pleasing or harsh. Refined and common speech come together in the dark. Clear and murky phrases are distinguished in the light. The four elements return to their natures just as a child turns to its mother. Fire heats, wind moves, water wets, earth is solid. Eye and sights, ear and sounds, nose and smells, tongue and tastes. Thus with each and every depending on these roots, the leaves spread forth. Trunk and branches share the essence, revered in common, each has its speech. In the light there is darkness, but don't take it as darkness. In the dark there is light, but don't see it as light. Light and dark oppose one another, like the front and back foot and walking. Each of the myriad things has its merit, expressed according to the function and place. Phenomena exist, box and lid fit, principle responds, arrow points meet. Hearing the words, understand the meaning, don't set up standards of your own. If you don't understand the way right before you, how will you know the path as you walk? Progress is not a matter of far or near, but if you are confused, mountains and rivers block your way. I respectfully urge you who study the mystery, do not pass your days and nights in vain. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. With full awareness, we've chanted the harmony of difference and sameness. We dedicate this merit to 
Our great ancestor in India, great teacher Shakyamuni Buddha, our first woman ancestor, great teacher Maha Prajapati, our first ancestor in China, great teacher Bodhidharma, our first ancestor in Japan, great teacher Ehe Dogen, our first ancestor in America, great teacher Shogaku Shunryu, the perfect wisdom Bodhisattva Manjushri, to the well-being of all those affected with ills and peace pervading all peoples of the world. Gratefully, we offer this virtue to all beings, all Buddhas throughout space and time, all honored ones, bodhisattvas, mahasattvas, wisdom beyond wisdom, Maha Prajna Paramita. When Taigen is ready, he'll lead tonight's Dharma talk. Thank you, Patrick. Welcome, everyone. So tonight I'm going to talk about the Flower Ornament Sutra, the Avatamsaka Sutra in Sanskrit, the Huayan Sutra in Chinese, the Kegon Sutra in Japanese, just the different uh, names, different languages. Um, I'll start with uh, a case from the Book of Serenity Koan Collection, Case 67, uh, called the Flower Ornament Sutra's Wisdom. Um, and I'm um, not going to read it in the usual way, which is to start with the ca- case. This is true of this Cohen collection and also the Blue Cliff Record. You focus on the case, then the verse, both of which were written in this case by Hongzhe, Zhongzhui, who um, is, was kind of Dharma uncle of Dogen's. He was died in 1157. He was... Um, uh, in the Saodong Soto lineage, uh, not our, not a direct antecedent of ours, but Dogen refers to him very often. I translated some of this material in Cultivating the Empty Field. Um, and he was the great, the greatest Soto teacher, Saodong in Chinese, in his time. Um, and then there's commentary um, by a different teacher, as the, as is the case in the Blue Cliff Record, uh, the, this teacher is Wan Song, who was a later Tsaodong uh, or Soto teacher, a very interesting um, fellow. Um, he had some important disciples. He was uh, teaching up in northern China, uh, in in the Jin territory in Beijing, and. Um, Anyway, he wrote an introduction, a commentary to the case, and then a commentary to Hongshu's verse. Okay, so I'm going to just start by uh, reading the Wansung's introduction. One atom contains myriad forms. One thought includes a billion worlds. What about a powerful person who wears the sky on their head and stands on the ground? A spiritually sharp person who knows the tale when the head is spoken. Don't they turn their back on their own spirit and bury away the family treasure? 
So I'll come back to that last part later in a little bit. But um, one atom contains myriad forms. One thought includes a billion worlds is uh, one of the kind of basic kinds of teaching in the Flower Ornament Sutra uh, that um, each atom contains uh, myriad manifold Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Each tip of each uh, grass tip also many Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. So it's a way of seeing, it's a kind of holographic worldview, uh, seeing all of reality in each bit of reality, um, all of all of the universe in a grain of sand, as uh, William Blake said. Um, so this is a basic perspective of the Flower and the Sutra. And I'll, I'll just add that um, the Sutra itself, so we... we recite the sutra uh, once a month here, Friday evenings from 7 to 8.30, and it will be this Friday evening. It's the first Friday of the month that we do that. Uh, So we're going through it uh, slowly. In Thomas Cleary's wonderful translation, there's uh, 1,600 pages, and that's supposed to be the kind of uh, uh, small version of the sutra. Anyway, there's a lot uh, in the sutra itself that's um, very visionary, flowery, psychedelic. It's about the different aspects of bodhisattva activity. Uh, It's not really, it's not a didactic text. It's not a text that one can um, particularly analyze or describe. It's more of a samadhi text. Reading it, as uh, you'll see if you come, everybody's welcome to come. Friday evening and get a taste of it. It's it has an impact just hearing it, reading it aloud. You can you can read or, or take turns reading or or just listen. But it, uh, uh, it it is it is the teaching, uh, and just hearing it is uh, is um, has an impact, as I said. Anyway, uh, so that's. Uh, and this idea of, of each atom containing myriad fo- forms, it says here, Hongzhou says here, also one thought includes a billion worlds in a different branch of um, Chinese Buddhism, Tiantai, they talk, the founder talked about each, each thought is 3,000 worlds. Anyway, uh, you might have a sense of that from uh, just from sitting in Zazen and, and feeling the complexity of monkey mind, everything moving around, and each thought implicates other thoughts, each sensation, each feeling implicates other sensations. Uh, but I was starting to say that this sutra was the basis of an important school of Buddhism, the Huayan school in China. It's pronounced Kegon in Japanese. It's it still exists in Japan, um, and it's a very kind, a very different kind of discourse than the than the Avatamsaka or Flower Ornament Sutra itself. It's a kind of way of describing uh, how this holographic uh, image works, how it inter- basically how interconnectedness works. And so it's uh, uh, kind of different, but it's very, very important as background to Soto Zen. So we don't, Soto Zen people don't talk about it so much, but it's... Uh, I won't go into this tonight so much, although if you have questions, we can talk about it more. But 
the uh, the Soto five degrees or five ranks is uh, comes out of a teaching from Huayan Buddhism. Anyway, that's uh, that's a little bit about the background. I'm going to go now to the case in in case sixty seven. So this is the entire case. The Flower Ornament Sutra says, "I now see all sentient beings everywhere fully possess." the wisdom and virtues of the enlightened ones. So that's the, uh, supposedly when he uh, awakened, when he had his great enlightenment and, uh, uh, and this flower ornament sutra is supposed to be the first teaching he gave, which, you know, he gave over, uh, it varies seven days or 49 days anyway. Um, and nobody could understand it then. <laughs> and it's not something one can really understand exactly. It's, uh, it feels obscure to people, but uh, come Friday evening and you'll get a taste of it. Um, but in that, in that sutra, as the Buddha awakened, he, he proclaimed, now I see that all sentient beings everywhere fully possess the wisdom and virtues of the enlightened ones, of the Buddhas, but because of false conceptions and attachments, they do not realize it. So I think this is a very, very controversial koan right now. Um, and I'll come back to that. I'm going to read a little bit of Fuan Song's commentary on this case. Uh, one of the uh, Huayan uh, patriarchs, Zheng uh, Wan, said that this sutra is the opening up of the causal nature, and this and this this quote in the commentary on the on the practice and, and vows of Samantabhadra, he calls it opening up the source of the nature of beings. So Samantabhadra is the main bodhisattva of of the Flower Ornament Sutra and of Hawaiian Buddhism. Um, he goes on to say in the commentary. So this is one song kind of expanding on what the case itself says. Uh, the Buddha observed all the beings of the cosmos with his pure, unobstructed eye of wisdom and said, how wonderful, how is it that, and we might translate that as how strange, <laughs> how is it that these beings all have the wisdom of the enlightened ones yet in their folly and delusion, do not know or see it. I should practice this. I should teach them the right path to make them abandon illusion and attachment forever so that they can perceive the vast wisdom of the awakened ones within their own bodies and be no different from the Buddha. So in some sense, this is the Buddha's mission. Uh, this is his statement of what the Buddha does. Um, so, um, yeah, um, I was going to read from the um, Flower Ornament Sutra itself a couple of versions of this. <clears throat> One of them is uh, from the chapter on the Ten Dedications, and we will be reading this uh, this Friday evening. Uh, so the Buddha says, 
All sentient beings are wrapped up in the web of attachments covered by shrouds of ignorance, clinging to all existence, pursuing them increasingly, entering the cage of suffering, acting like maniacs, totally void of virtue or knowledge, always doubtful and confused. They do not perceive the place of peace. They do not know the path of emancipation and they resolve, they revolve in birth and death without rest, all submerged in the mire of suffering. Awakening, awakening beings see Bodhisattva, wanting to enable sentient beings to all attain liberation. To this end, they dedicate all their virtues, dedicating them with a great imagine magnanimous heart in conformity with the dedication dedicated practices uh, by the enlightening beings of all times so this is another version of the of of this um, and I'll read one more which is actually I think the thing that is quoted in this in this uh, koan case this is later on in the chapter on the manifestation of Buddha. It says, um, uh, to, to enable all sentient beings to benefit greatly, uh, the knowledge of Buddha, infinite and unobstructed, universally able to benefit all, is fully inherent in the bodies of sentient beings. But the ignorance, but the ignorance, because of clinging to deluded notions, they do not know of it, are not aware of it, and so do not benefit from it. Then the Buddha, with the unimpeded, pure, clear eye of knowledge, observes all sentient beings in the cosmos and says, how strange, how is it that these sentient beings have the knowledge of Buddha but in their, in their folly and confusion, do not know it or perceive it. I should teach them the way of sages and cause them to forever shed deluded notions and attachments so they can see in their own bodies the vast knowledge of Buddhas, no different from the Buddhas. Then, um, so, so this is, this is a base, one of the basic positions of the Flower Ornament Sutra, and I said it was controversial. So I think particularly these days, um, yeah, such beings uh, are caught in the web of ignorance. They're, they're uh, caught in uh, all kinds of um, fake news and delusion and been manipulated to uh, support uh, all kinds of strange, deluded views to support uh, uh, racist terrorism, to support banning books, to support um, uh, encouraging fascism. Uh, so uh, how could those sentient beings, as this case says, be actually have are fu- fully possessed the wisdom and virtue of the enlightened ones. 
This is the standpoint of the flower in the sutra, that even the most deluded beings actually, it's only because they're caught by illusions, by uh, uh, propaganda, <laughs> by cultural uh, support of craving or greed or and greed or anger or confusion uh, because of this they don't see or we could say we don't see uh, that the wisdom and virtue of the awakened ones is right here so that's you know I I, I think that's controversial I think that's not what, how many people would think about our situation today but this is what the Flower Ornament Sutra teaches. The Flower Ornament Sutra uh, is about vast interconnectedness. So uh, the image of Indra's net, how many of you have heard of that? Um, maybe not. So it, that comes from the Flower Ornament Sutra. And that is the image of the universe as a network and at every place and a five dimension, three dimension, whatever, uh, network and at every place where the meshes of the net meet join there's a jewel and each of those jewels reflects the light of the jewels around them and those reflect the light of the jewels reflected in all the other jewels around them and so forth forever one of the great um, Huayan um, ancestors patriarchs in China was asked by Empress Wu, who was a great powerful uh, monarch in China, one of the great, uh, one of maybe one of the greatest women uh, leaders in all uh, pre-modern history. Anyway, she asked Fa Zhang to demonstrate this interconnectedness, and he went to he built a room and actually saw a version of this at the City of Ten Thousand Buddhas in Northern California. Uh, he built a room with mirrors all around it. And then he put in the middle of it a statue of the Buddha. And she came in and she could see the Buddha going, you know, reflected in all the mirrors and reflected in all the mirrors around them and so forth forever. Uh, just as a demonstration of how, how interconnected all things are. And uh, I've been talking about how the pandemic has given us this blessing as, as well as causing so much suffering and trauma that we all feel. But we see this interconnectedness. Um, so in this little Zoom window, we have people from Minnesota and Ohio joining us in Chicago or wherever this is. <laughs> um, so uh, pandemic has given us this um, clear demonstration of how interconnected we all are and how we're each we're dependent on each on all the other beings to not spread the pandemic. Um, anyway, um, so this is, um, this holographic teaching is uh, basic to the Flower Nama Sutra. I want to read some more uh, from the, um, from Wansung's commentary. First I'll read Hongsha's verse comment. Sky covers, earth bears, making a mass, making a clump, pervading the universe without bound, breaking down 
subatomic particles with no inside. Getting to the end of the mysterious subtlety, who distinguishes who distinguishes turning inward and and turning away? Buddha and ancestors come to pay the debt of what they of what they said. So, um, yeah, this idea of sky covers earth bears everything is connected in this cosmos making a mass, making a clump. Well, you know, we, we chanted the harmony of difference and sameness. Sameness is not exactly like just one big clump of everything is merged together, one big blob of everything. Um, so uh, the, the, the um, Sandokai this, that we chanted, the harmony of difference and sameness is merging with sameness is still not enlightenment. So this is the basis of Huayan thought and of Soto five degrees, that there is this interaction between each particular zoom window and the whole, or each particular event, each particular living thing in the universe and in the planet, on the planet and the whole planet. We are all so deeply interconnected. He says, pervading the universe without bound, Breaking down subatomic particles with no inside. So uh, if you think of the structure of an atom, um, atoms are actually, they're not not particles inside atoms. They're sort of waves. But uh, from one perspective, there are electrons going around nucleuses. Electrons being kind of energy, 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 clumps, to put it that way. Well, the the structure of the atom is the same as the structure of the solar system. There's the sun in the middle, and there's these planets going around it. And I I understand, I'm not an astronomer or physicist, but I understand that our whole galaxy might be like that. You know, there are wings of the galaxy, and it's whirling around. And maybe the universe is made up of galaxies like that, too. We don't know. Anyway, we're just a little little bitty things on the, on, on, you know, one uh, little bit of a planet on the, on a, on a minor sun, minor star on one distant wing at the, at the periphery of the galaxy anyway. Uh, and yet uh, the flower ornament sutra says that each atom and each hair tip or each grass tip contains innumerable Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas who are, who are gathered around them and so forth. So um, this is not the way we usually think. <laughs> we're used to, we're trained to think <clears throat> in our kind of, I don't know what to call it. I don't, I don't, I can say Western rational culture, but I don't mean to demean the West or rationality. <laughs> um but we usually think of uh, the world as a bunch of dead objects, right? This is why, um, you know, uh, people think they can dig, dig the minerals out or, out of the earth or pump the oil out of the earth to use for our benefit because, you know, we're the masters of the universe or some, some nonsense like that. We're all part of this one master clump, but each of us particular. Anyway, um, 
I'm interested in your commentary on this, um, your comments or questions about this perspective. But I want to add, throw in one other thing. At the towards the end of Wan Song's commentary, at uh, on the main case, he talks about uh, a story about um, two masters, Yang Shan and Shang Yan. Um, Yang Shan says of Shang Yan, I won't go into the background story, but I grant you understand the Chan or the Zen of the Buddhas, but you haven't even dreamed of the Chan of the ancestral teachers. So uh, this gets thrown in here, and and uh, there's a reason why it's part of this this uh, particular text. So, so how many of you have heard of this before? They used to they used to be in, in books about Zen much more. To talk it to Zen and ancestor Zen. Have any of you heard of that? No. So this is a way of talking about two aspects of Chan or Zen. Uh, to talk it to Zen, Buddha Zen is, you know, what we're all doing by sitting Zazen. We're sitting like Buddha. We're uh, opening up the form of Buddha, uh, as it says in the case. Um, uh, um, getting to the end of the mysterious subtlety who distinguishes turning towards and away. Um, so Tathagata Zen or Buddha Zen, Tathagata is another name for Buddhas, is the Zen that we do as Buddhas or following Buddhas or expressing Buddha. Ancestor Zen is something else. That's about lineages. So we're... Uh, Ancient Dragon Zen Gate is in the Suzuki Roshi lineage uh, in, in America. Of course, it's all Soto Zen, which is a lineage going back to Dogen. Matt is in a temple in Minnesota that's in the Katagiri Roshi lineage. Katagiri Roshi was uh, kind of an assistant to Suzuki Roshi while he was alive, and then he went to Minnesota uh, later and founded uh, you know, bunches of temples with many successors. Uh, but Ancestor Zen is about how do we continue uh, this practice. So Ancestor Zen is in a way less than Buddha Zen. It's just it's about particular people. It's about particular people in a lineage. So people who are doing uh, lay ordination or priest ordination get a lineage paper. And uh, the precepts which we talk about often as ethical guidelines, are actually um, from the point of view of uh, ancestors. And, from the, and, and this is the main understanding in Japanese Soto Zen. They're not so much ethical guidelines. Uh, I'm going to be talking about them more later this month and how this is so, but they are a continuation of the lineage of Buddhas. So all of you here, by virtue of being here, are part of this lineage. So really, they're not the same. Um, uh, I mean, they're not really they're not different. So um, uh, Yang Shan says, "Tell me, how far is it from the Buddha, the Buddha's Chan, the Buddha's Zen to ancestral Zen? They're really part of the same thing, but it's a, a different way of looking at it. In some ways." Ancestor Zen is about lineages and maintain and, and keeping alive the teaching for the future. So that's what um, you know. 
lay or priest ordination is about. That's what transmission is about. Um, but anybody who just comes and sits zazen is is doing Buddha Zen, Tathagata Chan or Tathagata Zen. And that's wonderful practice. And they're really not separate. But anyway, they make the distinction here because this, this uh, saying by the Buddha from the Flower Ornament Sutra, um, I'll read it again. The Flower Ornament Sutra says, and Buddha says in the Flower Ornament Sutra, I now see all sentient beings everywhere. Even the, even the people we think are doing harm and we don't like, all of them fully possess the wisdom and virtue of the awakened ones. But because of false conceptions and attachments, they do not realize it. And the Buddha goes on to say, I will. And, and this is where maybe where Tathagata Zen comes in. But the Buddha says, uh, just, just, see, just seeing that we're all connected and that all beings have this Buddha quality are not on has not that they have it it's not a, it's a thing to possess they are this buddha quality of wisdom and, and virtues but then the buddha says i will go and help them see through their confusion and delusions and that's more in the realm of, of ancestors and there's one other thing in the case i want to want to point to uh, reading again hongsha's verse sky covers earth bears Earth holds it all up, making a mass, making a clump, pervading the universe without bound, breaking down subatomic particles with no inside, getting to the end of the mysterious subtlety, who distinguishes turning towards and turning away. Getting to the end of the mysterious subtlety. So there's a commentary in the uh, Wansung's commentary to the verse includes um, a story about Zhaozhou or Joshu, uh, who you know might be the greatest Zen master of all time, just because he lived to be 120 years. But there's so many koans about him; he's so great. Um, anyway, um, in this one, the monk asks Zhaozhou, "What is the mystery within the mystery?" Zhaozhou said. How long have you been mystified? The monk said, I have been into this mystery for a long time. Jojo said, anyone but me might have been mystified to death. And then there's a comment that from Dongshan, the founder of Soto Zen in China, uh, where Wansung quotes Dongshan's, one of Dongshan's, Dongshan's the one who wrote the song of the Jewel Mare Samadhi we sometimes chant. But in, in another writing of his, The Seal of the Mystery, he says, do not take to the road, but if you return, you turn your back on your te- on your father. Or you turn your back on your teacher. Anyway, um, so um, there's various parts of all that. Um but this base, this this basic sense, you know, again, I called it controversial. That, um, you know, as the as the case says, all sentient beings everywhere, even you know, 
Donald Trump or the governor of Georgia or whomever you think might be spreading uh, harm in our society, fully they fully possess the wisdom and virtues of the enlightened ones. But because of false conceptions and attachments and fake news and so forth, they do not realize it. Um, so it's not that there are, that there, you know, there wasn't, so this is about Buddha nature. Uh, one of the basic teachings of Zen in Mahayana, there's a long writing, long, one of Dogen's longest essays is about, is called Buddha nature. And he has various stories about that. And he starts by saying, all being in their wholeness is Buddha nature. It's not that beings have Buddha nature, but in early uh, Mahayana teachings in India and in some parts in China, they thought of Buddha nature as something that some people had and some people didn't. There were supposedly some beings, some people, they were called Ichantikas, that's the Sanskrit word for them, who could never be Buddha, who could never awaken. They were just hopeless. But um, to talk it to Zen and, and uh, ancestors and both deny that all being, all being Buddha nature. Okay, uh, that's uh, there's a lot of stuff there. I'm interested in your comments, questions, responses to any of it. Please feel free. Mike. Thank you for your talk, Tygen. Um I, I was um, struck by the words atom and subatomic, which um, I wondered, because I, I, I assume that the concept uh, wasn't around at the time that that was written. So I wondered, like, what, what were the original words that were used and, like, how much knowledge, I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but, like, how aware were was uh, society at that time about like the smallness of things? Like, were they aware that like, you know, we had parts that, you know, were smaller parts or like, like what was like the general knowledge of society versus like how this is coming across in terms of like us thinking about just, you know, things are, you know, infinitely smaller. I don't know. I was curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, that's a good question. And I think that actually, that's a, a reasonable translation. I mean, we had the, the word atom is, um, you know, is part of modern science in English. But yeah, there was an idea of smaller and smaller bits and subatomic particles even. I think, uh, so I don't know what the Sanskrit or Chinese version of it is. I do have the Chinese text of these cases and verses, so I can go see if I can find it. But uh Basically, that was that, that was a teaching back then. They did see that things, the smallest things. Another version of that is not just in space, but in time. So it, in early Buddhism, even, there's this idea of uh, 66 moments in a second, I think it is. Or in each moment, there's 66 parts. Uh, so I don't know what yogi could could see that clearly down to the dimensions of time to come up with that and and, and find that number. They're called kasanas. Um, so that's a way that's so they were seeing that. Now, I don't think this is just an Asian, Indian or Chinese thing. I think uh, and, uh, David Ray, who is not here, but he could talk about the, the roots in, in classic Greek, I think. 
I, is it Demosthenes? I forget who it is in, in, in Greek uh, philosophy, who actually also talked about what we, about atoms, maybe not exactly defined in the same way that modern physicists would. So, yeah. Well, they, yes, the wait. ancient Greeks, the ancient Greeks, that's where we get the word atom from, mm-hmm. right? It's directly from Greek. Mm-hmm. And they, they used it to describe basically the same thing, which was the concept of the smallest possible unit of space right. that is that is indivisible. And we now know that atoms are, are not indivisible, right. um, but when they were first discovered, we were so like, oh, that's a concept that, that applies. And then when you talk about time, Zeno's arrow, right, coming from Zeno is, is talking about that same thing. So like the ancient Greeks were also very kind of attuned to this, but it's funny because the word atom is virtually unchanged for the past 3,000 years, but it feels so new and so modern um, that it's weird when we talk about mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, in an old text like this. Yeah, well, uh, apparently they knew in, in China and India, they knew about atomic, they had the idea of atomic particles uh, and they also had the sense that there were subatomic particles and they wouldn't have defined them the same way that modern physicists do. But anyway, yeah, it's an old idea. And it's very much related to Huayan philosophy that in each bit, in each atom, there are whole worlds. Uh, This this holographic uh, vision of reality. So thank you. Other comments or questions or responses? Ed? Well, you know, I think we are challenged with this notion of accepting a the universal nature of individuals in their social and political performances, uh, because we do have, of course, uh, um, persons of high profile elected in representative office who blatantly lie to us, uh, their um, the people they represent. And I simply mentioned certain members of the Republican Party who sit on investigative committees and currently in front of Congress. And it's insulting to me to read their statements. And so I am challenged to maintain a sense of, of equilibrium in my view of them as human persons, given their commitment to the practice of deception for their own personal gain. And so maybe an underlying focus in uh, Buddhist practice is to work with that problem as almost nearly the primary problem. So I'm not sure I'm willing to lend to Stephen Miller or certain members investigating the statements that Shell Oil Company made regarding their pretending to be interested in the carbon tax, but recognizing it will never pass in the House I'm not sure how to deal with that from a Buddhist perspective, other than to to take a position of reservation. And so I'll just leave that at that. Well, thank you. And that's exactly why I said this is a controversial koan. Um, I I would go further than you and and say not not only do uh, political uh, elected officials lie, they also act, uh, support and sponsor and maintain acts of extreme cruelty. Uh, one of the, uh, 
people who was in Guantanamo for years just testified recently about the torture that he suffered for, I think, six years. And, all, you know, and all the, all the all, I guess it was a court case and uh, all the, the judges all, you know, these were military judges, all described this as, as horrendous. So it's not just, so yes, there's tremendous cruelty in the world. And there is now, and there, and there has been um, uh, for a long time. I mean, I think there are many United States presidents who we could look at and, and say they were they acted at, like mass murderers, not just Donald Trump and and uh, you know the invaders of Iraq and so forth. So um, uh, this is this these so this 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 version of is saying that all beings have the are, are, are inherently the wisdom and virtue of the Buddhas, this Buddha nature, but they have become so ignorant and deluded uh, by all kinds of things, by attachments, by greed, by uh, cruelty. So, you know, how, how do we deal with, how do we see this for sociopaths? You know, that's what we're talking about. Um, who seem to, you know, rise to the top of the society at times. Uh, this is, a, this is, that's why this is a koan. <laughs> um, uh, and yet, uh, I think our Zazen practice um, kinds of, kind of gets us to uh, the possibility of seeing that everyone, everything, every so-called thing you know the Ecuadorian natives who are whose land is is fouled by oil intentionally that will be there for generations. Uh, each of them, you know, has potentially or has more actually maybe expresses wisdom and virtue of awakened ones. But then, what do we say about the people who uh, make a profit by by you know by leaking that oil anyway? So uh, thank you, Ed, for bringing that up um, so I didn't have to. Um, or maybe I've expanded on it. But, yeah, this is, a, this is a real koan. How do we see that there is a basic decency that's potential, that is a, not just a potential, that is an underlying reality to all being? And not just human beings, animals, forests, plants, mountains, rivers. Um, so this is a great challenge. And then how do we, so then the, the Buddha says, well, how, how do I teach them? How do I get them to see through their delusion? That's the question. And I think somebody who's per- persuaded that, um, uh, the attack on January 6th was just a bunch of tourists. Uh, can you, uh, not be may not be able to them otherwise, but um, uh, there's this sense of this possibility of awakening. Now, you you may all disagree with that. It might be a helpful orientation when we try and go out to um, heal the sick, as it were. Uh, to forgive them for being deluded. 
and that we're part of that. We all, we are all deluded too. We all have lots of, you know, just from the process of growing up in in our culture and maybe in any culture, um, uh, you know, the United States is not the first empire in the world that, that expressed cruelty. Um, how do we see how we are caught by that too? We each have, um, through our karmic consciousness that this koan talks about, how we each have, um, you know, our own pattern of greed, of anger, or rage, of fear, of confusion. Yes, Matt. Yeah, I'll use it as a transition. Um, you know, the climate stuff's in the news right now with um, COP20 or whatever it is in Copenhagen, um, or Scotland, I forget, Glasgow. In, uh, Glasgow, Glasgow, yeah. Um, you know, we hear about ExxonMobil and these companies knowing all this stuff. I think we forget we're the reason why ExxonMobil exists. Um, they're fulfilling a need. We drive cars. We, um, you know, buy plastic. We are, I mean, all of us play a very small role, but all of us, you know, just like IntrasNet, all of us are interconnected. We are ExxonMobil. And um, it's funny, you know, we other these companies and we other these people, but we are them in some ways. I mean, I don't know. It's tough to think of it this way, but Donald Trump is a side of all of our personalities, right? Um, we all have that side of our personality if we don't keep it in check. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, if everyone was perfect and we fixed all this, we wouldn't be bodhisattvas anymore. You know, but that's why. <laughs> we wouldn't need bodhisattvas. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Bodhisattvas have great job security. I, you know, I, I could parse what you're saying, Matt, and, and say that, you know, we can hold certain people accountable for certain actions. And and uh, Chevron and Shell and, you know, the oil people who knew in the 70s what the effect of fossil fuel would be in terms of climate destruction and went ahead and, and, and spent millions of dollars to sponsor climate denial might be more, you know, if we thought about accountability might be more. Uh, involve part of the problem than each of us, but yes, we all benefit from that. We have electric lights. We have, you know, uh, we drive cars, or we go on, even if we go on public transportation. We're part. We're part of the system that's been created. I, uh, a year or so ago, I read Moby Dick for the first time, and they were using whale oil as the as their main energy system. <laughs> and there was tremendous cruelty involved in killing those whales. But that was how people uh, got light. So uh, this is a big problem. Where there are now uh, solar and wind and other alternate technologies, but then how do we get from here to there? Is That's the political problem. Uh, so anyway, uh, but yeah, it's uh, uh, we're all involved and... How do we assess? How do we make? How do we get people to see through the way in which we're all part of uh, part of a system of greed, hate, and delusion? Anyway, sorry for going on, but thank you, Matt. Other comments, responses to any part of this teaching? 
Yes, Patrick. I um, thank you for your talk. This is, uh, I think, conceptually, I can repeat, you know, the words and think about them and believe them, but in practice, I don't feel them. Um, but I was thinking just now, and you know, in the eye, in the, from the perspective of Buddha, I don't think there's a lot of difference between myself and Trump or anyone else when it comes to being deluded. Um, if Buddha's looking at me, um, and that, and then maybe because of that, that interconnectedness is a little uh, more tangible on some level that. Um, I have delusions too, but maybe just slightly different ones, um, or maybe not as deep. Um, but maybe I'm seeking it and or exploring it in some other fashion, some other detriment. You know, instead of seeking power, I'm seeking pleasure or something like that. Um, it is. I, I was wondering your thoughts. I. I been chewing on the difference between Buddha Zen and ancestor Zen, and um, given that we all are then interconnected, we're all part of the same lineage at some point in time. Then, and if we're um, all part of maybe the same lineage at some point, then we're already part of the same lineage right now. Um, but could you maybe talk a little bit more of like the interplay between the two and in this context then of interconnectedness? It's, you know, um, it's intricate. That's where they talk about the mystery <laughs> because each each person, each entity, each each Buddha bit <laughs> is has its own particular way of being Buddha. So you know, I think I, I do believe in accountability. You know that uh, that in a, a reasonable justice system, people who do really heinous, cruel, uh, uh, highly damaging. Who, who support those events, you know, should be held accountable. So maybe there are, you know, uh, oil executives and uh, and Trump cabinet members should be in prison. A lot of the people who are in prison shouldn't be. Um, that doesn't mean that that we are necessarily inherently better than them. If we start, you know, parsing good and bad, you know. Uh, you know, in, from another perspective, all plants and animals are, from the evolutionary lineage, we're all descended from fungus. We're all descended from fungi, you know, and uh, uh, so uh, we're all we are all connected. And then, how does it come to be that that there are that there are um, I don't know. The denial of science is, is a particular delusion that is around now. Fake news, whatever, disinformation, just to d- deny it. So there's so many levels of reality. And we're all denying some part of reality, probably. But then there are 
clear aspects of reality where uh, anyway it's 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 complicated but uh, i think we can make distinct distinctions and make judgments uh, but it's not that they are evil and we are good or vice versa <laughs> um, so uh, and buddha goes beyond that that those ideas of evil and good good and bad those dualities Buddha is not caught by that. Um, Randy, everyone else has spoken. Do you have any thoughts about or reflections or responses about any of this? Oh, sure. Um, thank you for your talk. I'm sorry I missed part of it. I'm having uh, battery issues on my phone, but I did have something I wanted to ask you about, and it has to do a little bit with yesterday's talk and tonight. And that is the term that um, I came my attention yesterday, inconceivable uh, mutual assistance. And I think that's one of the, um, one of the, in Bendoa, I think it's one of the translations of Jesus on my, and also, you're breaking up a little bit. I, I, yeah, that's. I, I heard um, inconceivable I and mutual assistance. Oh, most of yes. it, but just to go back a little that, bit. Yes. How does that fit in with internet uh, and Buddha um, uh, nature versus uh, having Buddha nature being Buddha nature? And how can we use that understanding? Yeah. Um, so let me let me see if I can get if I can say your question correctly. Uh, I, there's this phrase in in Japanese uh-huh. Buddhism, inconceivable mutual assistance. It's yes, it's in that Jiju Samai uh, part. I don't know if it was yesterday mm-hmm. that I talked about that, but I did recently, and and that's very much relevant oh, to what okay. we're talking about tonight. There's this idea of yes. Uh, in the context that Dogen talks about that, he talks about the person sitting and the elements of the environment, all the aspects of the environment. Uh, grass, mm-hmm. he talks about specifically grass, um, uh, fences, walls. Um, so even what we consider inanimate, artificial, man-made things uh, can you all hear me okay? Uh-huh. I got a signal that I'm breaking up a little bit too. Uh, thank you. Um, so, um, yeah, that is, that's very much related to this um, teaching in the Flower Ornament Sutra of the interconnectedness of things. It's more from what, and Dogen's taking it a step further, I say, and that's maybe that's ancestral Zen. Anyway, he's saying not only is everything interconnected, this is important. This is actually maybe connected, but everything has this uh, mutual resonance. I think there's a uh, Western philosopher called Rupert Sheldrake who talks about something like this, but uh, that there's this inconceivable, unperceivable by us uh, mutual assistance between. Person sitting zazen, which is where Dogen starts, and 
grasses and trees and even tiles and pebbles and walls and, and buildings and that there's this way in which uh, not only is everything deeply connected, but everything is supporting everything else. I think we lost uh, Randy, so uh, I'll try and repeat it when he comes back, <laughs> hopefully. But uh, does that, uh, that's a, a turn on this teaching from the Flower Ornament Sutra. Maybe it's implied in, the, in what, what the Flower Ornament Sutra is saying. But to say that not only are we really connected, but we support each other. So uh, there's various ways I can, you know, ex- expand on that. Uh, but uh, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's something particularly um, juicy <laughs> in our Soto Zen lineage. Going back to Dogen. And, you know, this whole idea of... Um, Buddha nature as not being something that one can have, but being the nature of beings and things and people. Uh, it's not just, it's not some, it's not like some, it's not something. Like enlightenment is not something. It's about, it's a dynamic activity. So to recognize this deep interconnectedness you know, we could say on the subatomic particle level or whatever that is um, being spoken of in this koan. It, beyond that, there's this quality that the Bodhisattva is about, about may all beings be happy. Beings are numberless, I've got to free them. How do we not, not just, so this wisdom and virtue of the Buddhas is not just some thing, some passive thing that we could classify, but it's actually a mode of awareness, a mode of activity, a mode of caring. Um, so, um, Randy, can you hear me? You're, you're, it seems like you're coming back. I don't know. Anyway, um, it's, it's, it's an important turning of this. So, Randy, I've been responding to your, to your Randy, I've been responding to your comments and uh, maybe it'll come through in the recording, which you can listen to in a few days. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, just to say it again, because it bears repeating that Dogen takes this sense of uh, Buddha nature and interconnectedness, which is, it's not something that Dogen invented. It's all, it's part of uh, what well, goes back to India, I suppose, but it's definitely developed in East Asian Buddhism, not just Zen, in in the Havatamsaka schools and the Lotus Sutra Tendai Chentai schools, this sense not just of that everything exists as dead objects and they're all connected, but that the Bodhisattva idea is that we're all supporting each other. And in in Jiju Zamai that you were referring to, Randy, there's this mutual inconceivable assistance. Now, this is another far-out idea that we might not believe, given the way the world is. I mean, I, I appreciate your skepticism, Ed, you know, when we think about, you know, fossil fuels and Donald Trump and so forth. But um, that the nature of 
at the very core of the nature of reality, there is this su- support system. And um, it's, it's not something we can necessarily believe in, but we can, um, but we're part of that activity. And I can only say, may it be so, and may it help us in these difficult um, de- declining days. Um, so I appreciate your question, Randy, and I appreciate all of the discussion we're getting on to ending time, but, and I have a Douglas requested that I make an announcement, but um, does anybody else have something that is uh, really want to say at this point? Please. Randy, can you, was there something? Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Um, why don't we uh, do the the um, four vows, if you would lead us in that chant three times, Patrick, and then I have some announcements to share. <laughs> 